All right, everybody. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Kerchik's Corner. Uh, all things customer experience, sales, et cetera. I'm your host, Jeff Kerchik, VP of Sales for Excel Technologies. Uh, today, I have a very special guest. She was, uh, I fooled her, I think, into letting me be on her podcast. Uh, but now, uh, now she's on, now she's on mine and, uh, she, she's a great person to talk to a lot of great insight. Um, very positive. She's the director of education and development at quantum assurance, which we're going to be talking a little bit about today. They're, they're disrupting an industry. Uh, she's a podcast host. Like I said, she's a mother, which is a very demanding job and uh, also an aspiring author, as I just found out. So I'd like to welcome <laughs> to the show, Caitlin Agar. How are you today? Hi, Jeff. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. And I'm so glad it worked out this way. You've been on Age of Independence talking all about sales and coaching in your book, which was super fantastic. And I'm just glad that we get to have the conversation on your end because um, you and I have a lot in common when it comes to sales excellence, client experience, and all of those coaching moments that happen in between. And so I'm excited to dive into that. Yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you joining. I think I think that you're going to offer a pretty unique perspective on sales and coaching because you're doing it in a, a, a less traditional environment, I think. And um, I'm, I'm really eager to dive into that. So I guess just first and foremost, help just the people listening understand who you are, what you do. You know, you've got a lot of experience with this. So walk us through some of your background. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, as of today, I'm the Director of Education and Development at Quantum, and we're an insurance agency that's, um, I think, as you said, a little disruptive to the industry. We feel like there's a lot of good we can do to um, leave a positive imprint on the industry that we're in, and we have um, a couple different distribution channels for how we reach clients at Quantum. So we have our agency force in over 50 locations nationwide, as well as our main hubs in Fredericksburg, Virginia and Allen, Texas, that are um, more of that um, fast-paced dynamic call center environment. We'll talk about um, what coaching looks like um, there today, I'm sure at some point in the conversation, Jeff, as well as um, the work we're doing in the digital space to reach clients. And um, my, but my journey in insurance didn't start here. I actually started in a local boutique insurance agency environment. My husband and I opened our first insurance agency 10 years ago now in Illinois. And um, think about what a local Allstate or State Farm or Nationwide or Farmers Agency would look like. You probably drive past them every day. You may have stepped into one. And that's where my experience in insurance sales and coaching started. So it was with a smaller team of four to six people the first year, grew to 10 to 12 people over the years, and um, upwards of 20 people before we began to really branch out into the independent space. And now as an independent agency, our team represents um, multiple different top-rated insurance carriers across the country instead of just one brand. And we've really grown and scaled um, since Quantum was born. Um, we've grown from 16, uh, 16 members to over 120 Quantum employees, not counting agencies and their staff. And so uh, my, my daily life right now involves a lot of training and development with our education team, making sure we're getting really cutting edge content in front of our team members, our new recruits, our agency owners and their staff so that we can democratize insurance. That's our mission at Quantum. Um, we want to democratize insurance. You can protect what matters most. And we envision a world where insurance fits our clients' 
wants, their needs, their lifestyle. And there's so much that can be done in that area. Um, we are a high volume agency. We produce a, a lot of business and a ton of clients have been coming on board to Quantum. So we've seen a lot of growth and expansion, but our goal isn't just to be a big player in the game. We really want to change the game. And there's um, a lot we feel that we can do in, in, in the insurance world to do good. Yeah, and you were starting to touch on where I wanted to go next uh, briefly, which is like how, how you are disrupting this industry. Your model is a little bit different. Uh, I had one of your colleagues on the podcast not very long ago, um, and we, we talked about this a little bit, but some not everybody listens to every episode. So tell us a little bit about this. You know, you, you talked about democratizing insurance. I think that's kind of on the, on the path where I want to go here. Tell us about why that's revolutionary today, what you guys are doing differently and why you think it matters. Yeah, absolutely. And on a high level, there's um, there's positive impacts that Quantum's already started to make. So there's a lot of bureaucratic red tape in the insurance world. There's a lot of dinosaur technology that needs to be changed. And so some of the first things that we did were first to revolutionize the agency ownership contract. When you open up a Quantum agency, you're signing on board with an agency that was created by agents for agents. And it's a very agent-friendly contract. And a lot of insurance agency owners sign up with a brand that they believe in, that they feel like it's doing a lot of good, and they never take the time to read the contract with their lawyer and their spouse. And it can put them in tight situations later on down the road that we feel are totally preventable and that don't always work out in the agent's best interest. So um, we um, feel that by raising the bar, we can change what agency owners expect out of the entrepreneurship experience. And there's a lot to be done on the technology side as well. I mentioned tech systems that are um, that don't necessarily do the things they should be able to do in 2021 to provide um, ease of business for the client. And there's a lot we can do to create less friction. I think when if we kind of land the plane from those high level things that are um, ongoing projects for quantum, the client experience in insurance isn't where I believe it can be. Um, I think there's so much we can do to make it easier for clients to make great decisions and to protect their families the best that they can with the best insurance fit for them. And um, education is a big part of that, making sure people understand their choices and that there's transparency in the purchasing decision and that they um, can make a great decision with ease. And so we put a lot of time into training and coaching our teams to be able to speak as um, professional experts that are giving guidance and trusted advice so that a client isn't just coming to us to find out who the cheapest rate is, but to get a really in-depth review of their needs and how we can meet those needs. And um, I, we feel that the end goal is that clients can, instead of calling an insurance company and um, getting a lot of misinformation or getting um, a bunch of different quotes that don't meet your needs or getting a quote in your email and then you find out it's not even your real price. There's so much we can do to just remove those barriers, get rid of the fog and make it easy for clients to know what they're getting and why and if it fills their needs, if there's any gaps in their coverage. Right now, if you were to go online and you were to Google like cheap auto insurance Boston, th that lead is probably sold to a bunch and you could get a ton of phone calls and um, a bunch of people that want to quote your insurance and go over that policy with you. And the experience you would receive would be different from every single agent. 
A lot of them would email you an automated ballpark quote that would be advertising a, a really low rate that you may or may not qualify for. And so one of the things our agents do is we um, pick up the phone, we call the client, we customize the experience for them and make sure that the rate that we're presenting is their real and accurate rate so they know what to expect with quantum and it really helps smooth out the road for them and um, just remove unnecessary speed bumps in the process. That's great. I, I love the the tailored approach, the personalized approach. Uh, it's something that really goes a long way. I, I remember I, you know, just a random anecdote. I flew JetBlue back in March and yeah. flight attendant left me a really nice note. Um, I decided wow. to merge on a upgrade to the mint, you know, their first class thing. And I wrote about it on LinkedIn and went viral on the internet because people just really appreciate. Yeah. It was like the most viral thing I've ever posted on. It was just an innocuous thing about this good experience, but people really appreciate that. And it seems like it's working for you guys because your business has been growing at a very uh, sharp, you know, at a a good clip. Right. Um, Tell us a little bit about the scale of the business, like what it's like being at uh a business that's growing so fast. I, I spoke with one of your colleagues yesterday who mentioned that you guys are opening up this big new office space in, in Dallas, right? So like, it must be an exciting time. Talk to us a little bit about what it's like to be on the inside of that. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. And um, my husband and I have both sp- specialized in insurance startups for the past 10 years. And so in the insurance world, you can either start your own agency from scratch and build it one client at a time, or you can purchase books of business when an agent retires or they're selling their agency. And there's nothing wrong with purchasing a book of business. We've just never gone that route. And it's just that startup environment is something that we really began to love the adventure and starting something that's new, building a team from scratch. And so that's kind of a special niche of ours where we just kind of landed where that's something that um, our team does really, really well. Um, I think our our team culture is a big reason for that. Um, It's hard to scale and grow if you don't have a team culture that's attractive and where people want to be a part of that growth. Um, The companies go through different stages, right? So if you look at the different growth stages of a company, um, you probably have um, executives in your audience who are on the other end of the spectrum. And they've kind of like reached that max where maybe they're trying to grow two or 3%. And maybe they're trying to cut losses by a small margin because it'll mean a, a big difference for the company. And so that environment comes with its own challenges and its own team culture um, obstacles that have to be worked through. In our environment, some of the cool things about being in this crazy, amazing startup world is that it is never boring. We have so much fun. There is always a um, a huge challenge right around the corner. I personally work really well under pressure. I love having those deadlines or something that's like a high stakes task that has to be completed. I really thrive in that high pressure environment. So I can't see myself ever stepping outside of the startup world. I love it so much. And um, there's so many fun things that come along with that and these like cool projects that we get to take on. But at the same time, there's so much stretching and growing that goes on when your company is expanding and in those um, early years. It's a lot like when you decide to go back to the gym for the first time in a while and you're like, oh my gosh, like my muscles are so sore. I'm not seeing any progress today. Is this really worth it? And our team goes through all of those growing pains. And so um, I feel like it's a 
it's a really unique phase. It's something that I definitely like love every minute of it, but it's not easy. And no, no stage of business is easy. They all come with their own challenges, but I give all the credit to our team. They've been really flexible. They're totally bought into our mission at Quantum. And so we all feel like we're pulling through it together. I have to ask, I wasn't planning on asking you this, but you mentioned that you're really you know, you're really cool under pressure. You like handling the stressful situations. Are you always this positive, even when you're dealing with stress or, or do you sometimes have a more serious tone uh, when, when things get hairy? We'd have to ask my education team. I think I'm pretty positive. I, I actually think it's pretty safe to say that I'm generally this enthusiastic and a pretty upbeat and just positive person. Yeah. Um, I don't really, I'm not super dramatic. I don't do a lot of drama. So on my education team, it's a pretty low drama uh, group of people that are just, you know, staying pretty focused. But I also tend to be really focused about work. So I think my team would chuckle and say that I'm not necessarily the funniest or most humorous boss to work for. <laughs> All right. Hey, as long as you get I'm watching the clock, what's up. next, guys? Deadlines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to get results. Um, <laughs> So speaking of results, um, let's talk a little bit about the coaching. I mean, you're in a, I mentioned like more like a non-traditional environment because you're selling, but within like a contact center environment. Um, and you know, that's not always the case. Right. Um, and you know, let's talk a little bit about how you're tracking the behaviors of your team. You know, what are you, first of all, I guess, what are the, you know, what are the behaviors that you want your team to be exhibiting? when they're talking to potential customers or existing customers? And how do you create a culture where you can give feedback um, in a way where it's a, you know, kind of taken as with a growth mindset rather than the fixed mindset? You know, how do you have a team that is receptive and, and wanting this type of coaching? Um, so kind of a two-part question there that I'd be eager to hear about. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Let's talk about tracking the behaviors because for some of the people listening, you may be in a contact center environment with large pods of people and maybe you're with a newer company or a newer department and you may not have a cemented sales process yet or you may be in an established company that has a sales process, but maybe it's time to revamp it or make sure it's as effective as it could be, that it's as fresh and relevant as what you want for your teams. So the first thing that we had to do was we knew we had these great sales numbers coming out of the pipeline. We knew how to train and coach people and like get them to where they needed to be, but we didn't quite know how to articulate what we were doing. We didn't have a sales process. We didn't have a formula. It was very organic and grassrootsy at one point in time. And so um, one of the tasks that I was challenged with was go figure out what our sales process is, create the sales process. What are the steps that are absolutely critical, mission critical to being able to create this trusted advisor experience with the client? How do you create a one call close? And how do you create a buying experience for every single person that you're speaking with? And so we created a process called Selling with Purpose. And our goal is to zero in on the most important behaviors that drive results. And so the reason is because we can only have our team focusing on so many things at any one point in time. People really can only digest information in bite-sized pieces. And it's shocking how much our brain dismisses when we get cognitive overload. So my goal wasn't to write down 20 or 30 or 40 things that need to happen in the sales process. But what are the core fundamentals that if we removed any one of these pillars, 
we probably didn't actually create a buying experience. It maybe just happened to us. And sometimes salespeople can fall into a rut where they feel like, oh, I hope I get a sale today. Almost as if if they get a sale today, they got lucky. And so we wanted to create a sales process that reinforced that you create the experience on the phone with the client. You create how this conversation is going to go. So it starts with behaviors like finding the need and responding the need. So we call it closing from the start. And what are the things that need to happen to close from the start of the conversation. And we're speaking as if the client already, de already decided that they're gonna come on board with Quantum because they told us what they're concerned about. We asked probing questions, we figured out their situation. And then we told them how we're gonna solve the problem today. And hey, Jeff, by the end of our phone call today, the coverages for your car and home policy, you're gonna be totally up to date and we'll make sure that we have everything going for you. What kind of cars do you drive? So the clients are, you've already set the tone that they've reached a professional and that they've reached the right person. Sometimes our salespeople can get um, a little nervous about being in a contact center environment and speaking to a different person every time on the phone. And that relationship with the client is so important. But if you are credible and you know what you're talking about and you're giving a professional experience to every single person you speak with, they're going to be okay if it's their first time talking with you, or if um, this is a conversation where you set them up and then a different person in the um, client care center is going to help them when they have a change to their vehicle. It's all about, can you build confidence that they've reached the right person so you can put their mind at ease? And that applies whether we're coaching someone on the sales side who's purchasing a new product from the company or someone from the client care side who's working with an existing client. So really finding need, responding to need. If somebody tells me that the reason that they're shopping for insurance is because they just purchased a new home, then our team needs to be coached on what value do we bring to new home buyers? What are they experiencing right now? And how can we step into their situation and make it better? Because if you don't do that, you're just having a transactional conversation. And as soon as we're only inputting information and we're only saying what's your address and what's the square footage of your home, at that point, we're just doing what a computer can do. And um, in, in your world, Jeff, uh, with systems that help empower people to maximize that, that time on the phone with clients, I know you can speak to how important emotional intelligence is. And um, one of the things that we say on our sales team is that our job doesn't start until the client says no. If we're just inputting information, then we haven't created anything new. And yeah. so say, hey, you know what? I'm super excited about this new home. There's just so much paperwork. I don't want to worry about the cars right now. We'll deal with that later. Well, that's a no. And that's an opportunity where I can explain to them what value that additional conversation would bring to them. Yeah, no, I agree. I love a couple of things you said that were things I actually talked about in my book with like the sales yeah. starts at no and how you could have a machine to take an order, but yeah. you really need the authenticity of a human, you know, to have the more nuanced conversation, right? And I think that that's great that you're teaching your reps to have like a purpose and to kind of be the driver of the conversation. Um, it's a consultative approach, it feels like, I think is really important. It's possible that some of your clients in the health insurance industry may face this as well, but one of our challenges selling insurance in the independent world is that there's a lot of fact-finding we have to do. We have to ask a lot of questions about the drivers of the car and the VIN numbers and how many accidents have you had, and you're trying to figure out which of the many insurance carriers you work with are the best fit for the client. 
And so it can be easy for our professionals to get stuck in a rut where they're just fact finding, they're just being transactional, they're just asking the questions and they're not digging deeper and they're not building value. And so um, I think in, in industries where there's a lot of that complex stuff that you have to get through before you can get to the meat of the conversation, it's just so important to train our teams to be able to slow down. So one of the things we do a little bit differently at Quantum is we don't have a call, average call handle time. So our goal isn't to get the client off of the phone in a certain period of time. And some of our competitors in the personal lines world, um, Fortune 500 companies, often have an average call handle time goal of seven to eight to nine minutes. And our goal at Quantum is to develop a conversation to whatever point it needs to go to properly take care of this client. And so we're looking for what your total talk time was for the day, because the value that you bring is the time when you are speaking with someone or you're consulting with someone, whether it's over the phone or over video, you're having that human interaction happen. And so the goal is that if you're, hey, if you're here for an eight hour shift, how many of those hours are you actively consulting with clients it, with that personal touch? No, I think that's that's a great point. I think that um, that's something as somebody who's been working in contact centers for you know a little while now, there's been a lot of chatter about that lately about how average handle time, you know, is really. I mean, look, there's operational leaders who care about it for obvious reasons, but yeah. that's only if you treat your call center as a cost center and not as a revenue opportunity. And you clearly have the right mindset. You're looking at your 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 folks as they're, they're the lifeline, they're the lifeblood of your entire business, right? They're the ones who are bringing in the, uh, the proverbial bacon. So I think that that's a great approach. And I think, you know, great coaches like yourself, I mean, you're, you're touching people's lives every day, which is obviously really exciting, right? Like you're empowering people, you're helping them to get to the next stage of their career. Are there any like stories that stick out to you whether it's even like doesn't even have to be in your current role or just in throughout your career where you had a coaching moment for somebody where they were really struggling with something and you were able to help them with a breakthrough that really impacted their career. Um, I know for me personally that I get a lot of joy out of like mentorship and stuff that I do in my free time with people trying to get into tech sales and stuff like that and seeing them get their first job is really exciting for me. Do you have any kind of moments like that that are, you know, things that you you look fondly on throughout your career? I I do. I have so many. And I my hope is that for our education team that we are empowering people to meet their own personal and professional goals. And we can take the mystery out of what it takes to be successful in insurance. And it doesn't have to be something that keeps them up at night. It's not going to be easy, but it's totally doable. And it's something that they can learn to love and enjoy doing. And so the more um, we can empower them, the more confident they're going to feel. People love doing things that they're good at. So if they are stressing and they are struggling and they're not hitting their goals, they probably don't love it yet. And you're at risk of losing that person. How quickly can we build confidence in this person so that they can push past that and start to love being an insurance trusted advisor. And so I, um, I do have stories of people. Um, one, of, one of the people that comes to mind is an associate who came on board um, with me fresh out of high school, pretty young, like just old enough to get an insurance license, super underqualified, had very little sales experience, but they had worked retail and 
their goal at the retail store, it was at a department store, was to get an, enough um, customer reviews online um, from their shoppers every month. And so they would walk around the department store and every time they like help someone with a product, they would pull up the website and say, hey, can you leave a review right now? And made their goal that way. And I was like, wow, that's actually really awesome. And you totally took control of your goal. And that person um, really went on to make one of the highest paychecks on the sales team um, over the, it took a period of time, probably two to three years for them to reach that point. But that's the cool thing about insurance. Anyone can be successful in insurance that puts their mind to it. So if we give them the coaching and the education and the leadership and mentorship that they need, they should be able to spread their, their wings and fly. And there's no just one type of person that can succeed in insurance sales or an in insurance customer service. Another associate comes to mind who um, worked on the client care and retention team, and their job was to call clients if their premium changed on their insurance and conduct a policy review with them. So this is a challenge in the insurance world because insurance rates do fluctuate. They change. It can be for different reasons. And that can leave the client feeling like, hey, what's going on with my policy? And they really want to understand why. And some insurance agents, some of our competitors, they take an approach that's like, hey, it would be expensive to do these outbound calls. We're just going to wait and see if the client calls in and handle it then. But we implemented a process where we proactively reached out to all clients ahead of their renewal, whether they had a price change or not, to review policy changes with them. And I had this associate who was super intelligent, not new to customer service. They'd come from hospitality. And they were just really struggling. They were like, I don't know how to handle these conversations. They were really failing on the phone, just not doing a great job with it. And we had to have a conversation about, you know, let it roll off your back like water off of a duck's back. Just you're the, the trusted advisor. You're the professional. You're the one who's licensed in insurance. We're going to give them two to three reasons why their rate changed and two to three things they can do about it. Because if you give clients options, they're going to feel even better than if their price went down because they know that you're working with them and that they have control over the situation. And so she, she ended up being very successful um, for several years. And so I think that no matter what kind of coaching program we put in place. It has to be regular. It has to be consistent. And it has to be as customized to the individual as we can be, because some people just need that confidence. Some people need um, things to be really structured. Some people need things to be fun so they can stay motivated. And having that consistent process enables you to have that conversation pre-scheduled ahead of time so that you've already prioritized it and they are they can already expect it. They're not caught off guard and mm. have conversations about areas they need to grow in and what's holding them back on the phone and getting to those root causes. That's great. And I, I'm not, I'm being dead serious right now. I'm not just saying this for comedic effect, but you should have someone reach out to me. I think you have a new customer because I <laughs> this whole process uh, elsewhere and I won't name names. And it was like horrific. I just like gave up on it. So everything that you just said, I think really resonates with me. I think being, you want to feel like you're on the same team. And I think that, you know, that culture that you've set with your coaching is, uh, is, is fantastic. Um, Caitlin, I have one last question for you, and then we'll let you get back to, I know you've got a lot of folks who look up to you, you're busy, so we need to let you get back to, to them. But um, I want to talk about hiring. You know, it's something that's a pretty hot topic in the sales community right now. It's really hard to know. I, I actually almost think that interviews are a little, um, you know, a little bit 
silly as far as a process for understanding whether somebody can be a good fit for your organization because you're just getting a glimpse into somebody's you know character for a brief moment in time it can be really hard to understand you know do they really fit your culture are they going to do a good job um so i know there are things that i like to do to try to sort that out but it's it's hard i mean you 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 need to try to um see if they fit the mold for the the traits that create success in the role. So based on like what you're trying to do within your business, what do you look for when you're doing hiring? Like what are the um, questions that are important to you that you you ask people and what traits are you looking for? Oh my gosh, that's always such a, um, a work in progress, trying to figure out how do you really get to know someone in a way that's um, like a doable time frame because there's a lot of great opportunities out there. If we drag our feet too long, they could end up getting a job somewhere else with a competitor and we could have lost some top talent. But if you speed up the process too quickly, really what you're getting in the interview is just a tiny, tiny fraction of what that person is all about. And it's so hard to get to know them. So we've tried a lot of things that didn't work. We've tried really long recruiting processes. We've tried speeding it up. What I can tell you is something that has been beneficial to the process and that has helped um, was creating a, a couple processes, a couple templates, a couple forms where we're like, okay, here's what we're gonna ask. We know we only have, we've got the phone interview. We have the interview with the hiring managers. What are we trying to find out? Because there's a hundred different things we could ask them, right? But we can't keep them there for, you know, forever. So we sat down as a team and we created an interviewing template for sales and service that breaks down our company values and questions that we could ask under each value to figure out if the person aligns with our, our corporate values. So at Quantum, we're ambassadors, we're problem solvers, we're stewards, we're influencers, we take ownership. And so we came up with questions under each one of those categories. So are they a problem solver? Are they an ambassador for their clients? Do they care about their clients' coverage? Would be questions that we would ask under we are ambassadors. Um, we, are, um, we are owners. What's a, when's a time that they took ownership to ensure a positive outcome? What kind of steps did they have to take? And then a follow-up question to that would be, once you solved that problem, what did you do to be proactive next time? And so that's really helped us to just kind of zero in our focus on what are the core things that really need to be there. And we're looking for specific answers. We're looking for an example that's really a strong answer that's like, hey, here's a problem that I faced at a point in time that um, required me to take these different steps. Here's the challenges that I faced. Here's how I you know, kept my head straight during that time. This was the end result. And here's what I did to be proactive to to prevent that problem from happening again. If someone can answer that really well, whew, that's a that's a high scored answer. So then we score the answers for alignment. Is it an average answer? Is it above So we use a one to five scale so that at the end of the interview, we have an overall score for the candidate. There's a lot of organizations that don't like to use interview scoring. It's helped us just because, here's the thing, most of the people we talk to aren't gonna have such a terrible interview that we're like, oh my gosh, they were so terrible. We're never gonna hire them. Most people have great personalities and you're trying to figure out if they're a right fit for your organization. And so implementing a matrix score for us helped kind of clear the fog on that a little bit because most people are awesome. Most people wanna do well. Most people love customer service. They love helping people. They have a fantastic personality, but do they have what it takes for this role? And that's, that's kind of helped us get there. I think that's great because like you're always going to have a bias and emotional impulses based on sure. like people's it's, personality. It's so hard to interview someone. You can be wrong, no matter which way you could, 
accidentally turn away a great person. You could hire someone who doesn't turn out to be consistent or reliable. There's just, it's it's really difficult. So we try to be humble about it. We keep different leaders involved in that process. And the neat thing about using our values as a foundation is it allows us to tell them about quantum during the conversation as well, because we want to sell them on the opportunity with our um, agency and what what a great career move it is for them and what it's like to work for us. So it makes it really easy to talk about you know, we're influencers and we care about our clients and and um, opening it up for them to ask great questions as well. No, that's great. And 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 yeah, I mean, it, you cre- it makes it a lot more objective because everybody has a different perspective on people. So it forces them to think about your criteria, which I think is great. Um, yeah, I want to, before we let you go, let's do quick plug. Uh, where can people find you, your podcast, everything that's Caitlin Agar related? Um, where can people look you up for more of your content? Oh, I'd love to connect with your audience, Jeff. So I'm really active on LinkedIn. You can find me under Caitlin Agar. Um, my email address is education at quantumassurance.com. And I'm also a podcast host. So check out the Age of Independence. It's all things um, sales and mega startups in the independent insurance world. And would love to chat with you and stay connected. Awesome. Thank you, Caitlin. I really enjoyed this conversation. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, For everybody who listened, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Kerchick's Corner.